There is a podcast for everyone out there, but from the viewpoint of the male executive assistant, not so much. So here we go. Hello, ladies and hello, gentlemen. Welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickwood, and I've been an assistant for more than 20 years. Being a man in what is decidedly a role filled by women has put me in some insightful, some hilarious, and certainly some very unique situations. During this podcast, I plan to share many of those experiences, as well as some of the tips and tricks and the do's and the don'ts that I've learned over the years, which is my way to bring a new perspective on an old profession. Whether you are a receptionist, a secretary, an executive assistant, somewhere above, below, or in between, retired, starting out, or mid-career, I hope that you find some enjoyment and something interesting from my ramblings. So please join me, ladies, and of course the gentlemen, as I bring you into my world, the world of the male admin, on my podcast, Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. Well, welcome back. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this is the 20th episode of the podcast, Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. This is also the final episode of Season 1, and the final episode for 2023. First, I would like to thank all of my dedicated listeners yet again, who have listened into my world for the past several months over these 20 episodes. I would sincerely like to thank you all for your time and truly hope that you've found something of these episodes interesting, informative, entertaining, and something I've said has resonated with you. And second, I want to, before we get into the episode, wish you all a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. Whatever you celebrate, I hope it is wonderful for you and that you manage to find some time to rest, relax, recharge, and recuperate. I will be taking some time off myself between Christmas and New Year's, and will be back up and about on the 3rd. So this final episode of the year, I will continue looking at Christmas in the office. I will look at how to deal with downtime between Christmas and New Year's, the scheduling of those dreaded recurring meetings, and dealing with cards and gifts. I also want to welcome some listeners from my work. At this past week's holiday lunch for the admins at my company, the podcast came up in conversation. So I would like to welcome all of the admins from my office who have now taken an interest in my world, my world being the the male admin, and, of course, being the only male admin at my company. And so now I bring you into my world, that world... Of the male admin. The first of the three segments in this episode, I look at how to deal with that downtime. If you are working between Christmas and New Year's, it's usually very quiet, and depending on your industry, can be filled with a lot of not much. So most of management is usually on vacation and things become next year's problem. If though you're working, as I have in the past, these are the things that I have done to fill in that time. The first is to book all of those pesky recurring meetings. Now I focus this on more detail in the next segment, so that's all I'm going to say on it right now. 
The next, though, is that I deal with all of my email in my inbox. By this time of year, despite my best intentions, my inbox is usually overflowing with emails from completed tasks or tasks that have to carry over into the new year. I would spend some time sorting, filing, and even sometimes deleting emails. I'd archive any projects I no longer needed active, and I'd make sure that anything that needed to be actioned before the 31st of December was done. Sometimes I'd miss things in the lead up to the break, so this was a great time to try and get some of those things finished. Next, I'd work on organizing all of my financial files. At various times in my career, I've worked at doing budget planning. Right now, though, at the very least, I monitor departmental finances. So I take some of this time to build up my own budget along the lines of the departmental budget, especially when I have my own purchase card. It was good to me it was good for me to know where the charges during the past year got reallocated by finance so that I can properly plan and code things for the following year. And finally, I take some time to review courses and conferences for the coming year, sometimes for myself and sometimes for my boss and their direct reports. At various times, this has become a good benefit for their professional requirements. I've worked for executives who have direct reports and sometimes themselves, where they have educational requirements to maintain professional designations. So I'd look through the different offerings and see what might work for them for the coming year and try and get them registered and schedule it into calendar. We'd sometimes end up in December scrambling to make out the numbers so that they would have the requisite hours for maintaining their professional designation. And so by doing this in December for the following year, it saves on that scramble 12 months out. Of course, sometimes the downtime is just spent poking away at email as they come in and getting a lot of out of offices on replies, or just reading the news. But of course, we won't admit to any of that now, will we? Most of my December is usually spent building out the cadence of recurring meetings for the following year. Depending on where your executive falls in the grand org chart, you're either the one building out the one-on-ones for the senior management team or waiting on them to come through from somebody higher up. No matter which, though, you'll always have some to send. I send out my executive's direct report one-on-ones from their own calendar, and they're usually on a weekly basis of 45 minutes. But in reality, that becomes an hour, so I always make sure that I've never booked anything immediately after. Those are all in calendar well before Christmas. One thing I do do with all of my recurring meetings is set an end date. I know that this is a mixed bag and that some admins prefer to send out one-on-ones with no end date, but I find that sending them out with an end date of the following December, making them recurring only for the current year, is a good process. This means that if we want to change them partway through the year, or we want to change them in, say, 2025, we're not destroying a series that is back and forth in perpetuity. The other recurring meeting that I set up are my executives' leadership team biweeklies. These are ones, though, that I send from my calendar because there's about six of us in that, and that would mean that any replies come to me 
and don't inundate my executive's inbox. I'm also usually the one sending out the materials and rescheduling it and getting agenda items. And so it just saves on the number of emails to go through into my executive's inbox. The other recurring meeting that I tend to set up is one that I don't actually send. I just accept. This is the one for my executive and their one-on-one with their boss. This normally comes from the senior executive's calendar, and I consult with their admin on what works for them and then accept it when it comes through. These are by far the easiest to set up, even though they usually get rescheduled as soon as we hit January. My final segment on this episode is dealing with the lost art of cards and gifts. There's a wonderful scene in an early episode of the TV show The West Wing. It's season one, episode 10, titled In Excelsius Deo, where Leo McGarry's assistant, Margaret, throughout the episode continues to bring in gifts and cards for Leo to sign. Epitomizing the whole endeavor is the deadpan delivery of Margaret when responding to the line, This is quite an operation, wherein she replies, We like to spread holiday cheer. I remember being in a similar mood many years ago. I would be printing off sheets of address labels, preparing envelopes and cards, and booking time in my executive's calendar to sign them, which would usually span several hours. This would normally be the end of December or, pardon me, the end of November or the beginning of December. And this would make sure that everything got out well before the holidays. The stacks and sacks of cards would be sent off to the mailroom for mailing, and postage in December usually ran in the hundreds of dollars. This isn't really done anymore, especially post-COVID. No one really sends out physical cards. If anything, it's a digital card or an email template to stakeholders or to the team. Do I miss sending them? Sort of. Though I don't miss the production and fuss of getting them all ready, while also doing everything else we need to do during December. I do miss getting the cards, though. I used to cover my executive's door with cards, and at home I would have a string across my living room where I would hang them. At the height of receiving cards, my executive would usually receive upwards of 100, and myself would probably receive around 50. Now I'm down to a handful of less than 20, and my executive this year so far received none, but a couple of emailed greetings. The scene in the West Wing continued, and it sums up the general sentiment of office cards, in which Leo says when a card is put in front of him, Who the hell is this guy, and why do I care if he has a Merry Christmas? Just before I close, I want to offer up my personal thoughts on Christmas and the Christmas season. Christmas has always been a special of time, special time of year for me, and I prefer it with snow, but I will always take what I can get. I remember as a child of divorced parents, specifically, that I got two, which when you're five years old is absolutely a treat. I would go from the end of school to Christmas Eve with my mother, and on Christmas Eve, during the day, we would celebrate Christmas at her parents' house. My mother is German, so celebrating Christmas on Christmas Eve was the normal thing to do. But I didn't know that at the time, 
and I just enjoyed it as a child, I got two full days of Christmas with gifts and toys and food and fun. I would videotape those Christmases, and those tapes are somewhere, I'm sure, and heaven knows how strange it would be for me to watch them now. Late that evening, my mother would take me home to my father, and I would hang my stocking and dream of sugar plums, something I never actually knew what they were until I was in my twenties. And for everyone's edification, they're made of dried fruit and toasted nuts and covered in sugar. Just what every children needs on Christmas morning. I'd wake up Christmas morning and I'd open my stocking and I would get to open one gift. My father would then go about preparing late luncheon for whomever was coming over that year. Sometimes we'd have five or six, sometimes we'd have ten or twelve. And some years we went to friends, in which case most of the gifts would be bundled up and I would unwrap them there. One tradition which I always enjoyed, but have let lapse in recent years, was the gift on the tree. The purpose of this gift came from my father's childhood. There would be the stocking first thing in the morning, then the meal, and then presents. The on the tree gift would be opened up before bed. It was a way to continue and extend Christmas Day from waking up all the way through to going to sleep. My father still sends me an on-the-tree gift every year, and I honor this by opening it before bed on Christmas Day. It also sits on the tree. This was the purpose of the on-the-tree gift. It would be stuck in the branches. And funny enough, sometimes we would miss one or two, and when we were taking down the tree, we would find them, and so we would get a little bit more Christmas on New Year's Day. Nowadays, I use the season to reconnect with friends and family who I've lost touch with, I'm a sentimentalist at heart, and that always comes out at Christmas. This is especially evident with my choice of Christmas movies. No, it's not Die Hard, but A Christmas Carol. I fell in love with A Christmas Carol as a kid, and it's still what I watch every year. I own almost every version of it and enjoy it for different re- and enjoy each one for different reasons. My two go-to versions, though, are the Alistair Sim version, which I watch on Christmas Eve, and Disney's Jim Carrey version, which I watch on Christmas Day, over breakfast. I also watch A Muppet Christmas Carol, because we have to always watch A Muppet Christmas Carol. So I will leave you with my favorite quote to end this segment, and that is, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. We've made it to the end of this episode, the last of season one, and I look forward to sharing more with you in the new year as soon as I figure out what season two will entail. Going into Christmas has been very busy for me, both at work and at home, and I only did a few Christmas cards this year and I didn't even write my letter, something which I plan to rectify for the new year. But while I say I've been busy, I've also been able to relax and enjoy some of the smaller things life has brought my way. One of those is this podcast. It has been a new experience for me, this podcasting, and conjoined with that, I've been dabbling with the making of videos, a fun endeavor to be sure, even if they don't end up with more than a few hundred views. 
And so as we wrap up this year, I would like to thank you for joining me on this journey and for joining me in my world. I hope you have a wonderful holiday and will join me in January for season two of the podcast. So to close, it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. So until next year, have a wonderful and safe holiday season. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this has been the perspective of a male admin. Thank you.